0: Welcome, everybody. You are listening to Two Massage Therapists and a Microphone. My name is Amanda, registered massage therapist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And today I am chatting uh, over the phone with another one of our friends from the U.S. uh, And she's taking time today to talk to me on Thanksgiving, which is pretty cool. Uh, Her name is Linda Wallace, and she's a licensed therapist. And I believe she's in Arizona, but I'll let her tell you where she is. Geography is not my thing. And uh, she's also a board certified therapist of massage and body work. Uh, So hi, Linda. Thanks for hanging out with us today.
1: Hi, Amanda. And happy Thanksgiving from Phoenix.
0: (laughs) You are. Okay. So you are in Arizona. (laughs) I was
1: correct. Uh, even though it's a little gray and cloudy today, and it's going to only be about sixty-eight degrees, yes, I am still in Phoenix. Well,
0: it's—I uh, don't—I don't know how well you know uh, Celsius, but I, we're at like I we're at like <laughs> minus ten Celsius. I think it's freaking freezing uh, here. Yeah. So no
1: thanks, no <laughs> thanks. Uh-uh. No, no. I grew up in Wisconsin and thirty years in Colorado, and I finally had to come to the desert. Yeah, I f- couldn't take the
0: cold anymore. I don't blame you whatsoever. I, I don't, I'm not sure if I was meant it, for the it still cold gets climate. Chewy here, but. <laughs> You know. All right. So, for everybody listening, uh, the reason we are chatting with Linda today, um, she actually connected with Mark via Facebook uh, because she's been listening to some of the podcasts. And Linda had actually thought about um, doing something like this herself, having a podcast, spread the knowledge, create a network of therapists. And so, when she reached out to Mark and said this was something she'd been thinking of, he said, Well, come talk to us on ours, because it's always fun to have people um, from the States come on and talk about the different things they're doing. And uh, one of the cool things that Linda's doing, which we will get to, is she is an instructor for Lomi Lomi which I had actually never heard of until Mark asked me to set up this meeting with her. So... That's so interesting. It's, it, it's very interesting to me because I had never even heard the term before. And maybe I'm the only one. I'm starting to realize the more we do these... <laughs> I doubt it. Well, I'm starting to realize the more we do this podcast uh, that there's a lot of things I don't know. This has been very educational for me, actually. Um, so before we get into the Lomi Lomi, Linda, why don't you... Um, Let's talk about you a little bit, your backstory, and how you got into massage therapy and body work.
1: All right, sounds good. Uh, well, I, I sure wasn't one of those people who knew what I wanted to be when I was seven. I, I, don't, I don't get those people. I mean, uh, there's something special. If you know what you are meant to do in this world when you're a child, well, hallelujah and bravo to you, because I, I'm, a late, I'm a late bloomer. I have done so many different kinds of things. I, I was a music major when I went to college, but I never graduated. I was one of those 20-year-olds, you know, who thought you knew everything when you're 20 and got married instead, and uh, that's how I got to Colorado, actually, from Wisconsin. And took me on the journey to come out West, but that, that didn't last. That was, you know, Hey, it lasted about five years <laughs> longer than most people would have thought, I guess. But anyway, yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a self-sufficient independent person that that didn't really work for me, but it did move me from the Midwest where I grew up and got to Colorado and started to figure out, Whoa, well, what what now? So anyway, like I said, I've reinvented myself so many times. I ended up being on the radio. I was a radio DJ for almost 12 years, mostly music. But the last year was news. And that was very difficult, very challenging being a news director for a merger of three stations in Durango, Colorado. This was 1997 and 1998, so it's been a while ago. But um, I've also been a certified nurse aide and worked in a couple nursing homes and did almost a year of home health. And living in western Colorado, I really thought that's what I was going to have to do was be a nurse because I, I really didn't think I was ever going to leave there. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just thought, how am I going to do this? I have such a low tolerance for bureaucracy. I'm like, I could see lasting a day, you know, I'm like this. I don't think this is me, but well, okay, I'll get on the waiting list at the Delta Montrose vocational technical school for the LPN course. But then I, at the time, I was working for a big agency in Western Colorado that serves developmentally disabled adults that don't function at adult levels. A lot of, there's functional levels are all over the map from infantile to maybe, you know, five years old or something like that. But all their situations were different. Boy, you talk about learning a lot, doing your podcast, man did I learn a lot in that job and doing a job like that I didn't know anything about that population it just blows your compassion quotient wide open
0: definitely does I actually I actually did that as well in my uh, early oh. 20s I um, somehow a Uh, coordinator position fell into my lap with the city, working with um, uh, high-functioning young adults with uh, autism mainly, and uh, working on life skills, and um, it was... It, yeah, as you said, it really, really makes you view things very differently, and uh, it was probably one of the most rewarding careers I've ever done, um, but at the same time, one of the most challenging. I think I was tired 24 hours a day.
1: I, I think I'm with you on that, and it's exactly what you said. I mean, the different people that you were given to be with, and they all had different residential living situations too, mm-hmm. so some of them, it was, it was taking them out to socialize. It was teaching them how to be appropriate in social settings, like at a restaurant, or, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, when I worked in the group home with the older gentleman one time, and we took them all to go see Santa, and you, you just can't help bawling your eyes out when you see a 68-year-old developmentally disabled man sitting on santa's lap crying you know Mm -hmm. and santa thanking us for bringing these people out to see him Uh, i mean that's a highlight uh memory from that experience but some of them weren't pleasant at all what about the worst thing that ever happened to me was being choked while i was driving and uh, i don't know how i got out of that somehow i managed to pull my head out of her grasp and get them home safely but you know a lot of those people don't, they don't have a concept of consequences to their actions. So you have to be the big person and put this stuff out of your mind to be able to go back to work with them the next day. Right. It was really, really, some days it was more of a challenge than others because, you know, we got kicked, spit on, punched, bit, you know, like I said, the choking thing was the worst. Plus, these people are on all kinds of psychotropic, psychotropic medications, and we had to give out all their medications and all that. There's a lot of training that went involved, but, but still, that's a lot of responsibility.
0: Definitely, and not
1: everybody, not everybody in that job or that worked for that agency had ever been a certified nurse aide. So, uh, it's just amazing, <laughs> you know, that more errors didn't happen, but. Um, that, that was really interesting, and I, that led me into the whole self-care and caring for others, even though I've, I've always cared for others, but um, that, I started to tell you back in college I was a music education major, but after my first education class, I knew that wasn't for me. So that kind of you know, led me to discover other things and, and pushed me down the road in life. But I, I never really looked back on that. I, I never looked back, and I seem to do that. Once I I'm done with something in my life, I'm kind of done. Yeah, yeah. Um, music.
0: Though, so and, and, I, I just had a question about that. It's not totally related to what we're see, talking about ahead. today, but I mean, if we're getting to know you, um, well, music therapy. What type of what type of music are we talking? Vocals? Do you play instruments? Uh,
1: well, I was I was a piano major with a flute minor and voice minor also.
0: Okay. Okay, so and when you're
1: in education, you have to learn a lot. Like we had to learn almost every instrument. At least you get a little study on every instrument. You know, you know, Amanda, it's just so darn interesting that now that this turn that my life has taken, that I'm in so much caring for. I'm still a caregiver, not a certified nurse aide, but I can still be a caregiver, being a massage therapist. And you don't have to be in a hospital right. or you don't have to be somewhere where people are sick and people aren't happy. Mm-hmm. You still get to be a caregiver And we can help people and we can make people happy. And natural health care has always been a part of it for me. You know, I'm still a caregiver in a happier way.
0: Yeah, absolutely (laughs) you you are. And uh, again, every time that we have a therapist on, uh, we do talk about that, how one of the primary characteristics of somebody in our profession is this just innate desire to help people. You know, it's already in you that you're you are a caregiver. Um, obviously, which is probably why you went into nursing and uh, I know that it was the same for myself. I always felt like I wanted to work in a career where I could help people, and I was always very interested in anatomy and in the body, but like you, I didn't want to work in a hospital. Um, I don't do so well with blood and needles, and just to give you an example, I had two children. Oh, I've seen some stuff. Well, I mean, I I had two children with no um, epidural because the needle was scarier to me than the labor pain, so definitely Ah. I could not have been a nurse, um, but yeah, I get that—the the desire to want to help people—and also something else you said: um, work where with people that are happy. Being a massage therapist is awesome because you—you you are your clients like you. You know, you're not dealing with angry, uh, frustrated people. Usually, you're you're usually working with clients who are so happy to see you, right? Because you're helping them function. Really? You're taking away their pain. So.
1: Yeah. Um, so you, know, after you-, you can't, you can't help. You can't help those clients that walk in in a sour mood or that they're super negative or they want to start spewing about politics or something when they hit your table, but you can redirect it mm-hmm. and you got to let them understand, Hey man, you know, this is for you. I think you need to let go of some of this stuff. I don't try to get too philosophical with my massage clients and I don't try to get too spiritual either Um, even though that's my intent and that's my basis for seeing someone, but you don't know where they are in that regard. And you mentioned Lomi Lomi, some of the, some of the rituals that you can do in a Lomi Lomi session, for example, you don't want to turn off the, like the regular Joe off the street. That might think, oh boy, here we go. Yeah, one of these wacko hippies, you know. <laughs> Ooh, what, is it? what is this woo-woo stuff, you know? And what is this, you know? Anyway, that that kind of thing. It just struck my mind. You, you have to you have to be able to listen to the client enough to meet them where they are. And now that I'm teaching too, this has really been a learning experience for me because when you start to think about teaching other therapists how to interact with their clients. I mean, all kinds of things come up and you start questioning, wow, have I always done this? Have I been you know, this compassionate to anybody, you know, everybody that's been on my table? Like I said earlier, I wasn't, I'm a late bloomer. I went to massage school when I was 48 years old. So, and 16 years now as a therapist under my belt, about four years ago, I think it was 2014, I decided, well, I think the natural progression for my career now that I've worked in a number of different types of settings and environments from the chain massage clinics to the big fancy spa to the physical therapist, chiropractor office, all those different things. I think that's important background for somebody who wants to teach because you have a greater foundation from where you're coming to tell your students all these ins and outs about the industry or different places that you can work and what your experiences are. Mm -hmm. But again, it it just seemed like a natural progression for me to start teaching. And it's a trick you have to play on your mind, I think, also, because you might want to judge yourself. Like, who am I thinking that I can teach this to somebody? Well, you know, I, I saw a quote from Neil Donald Walsh one day, and he said, you don't have to be a PhD to teach anybody anything. If you're passionate about something and you have somewhat knowledge that you're willing to share with other people, then do it. So the thing was that I'm already board certified. I did that in the summer of 2005 actually before I moved to Arizona. Can I pause you for can I pause
0: you for a second there actually? Because I I will forget to ask you this, Uh, we talked about this off mic of what it means to be uh, board certified and the difference in the education that you had to go through um, in the states versus what we do here in Ontario. Um, So can you just tell maybe some of the Canadians here what it means to be board certified and versus the state licensing?
1: So when I thought that I was ready to move from Colorado, I just felt like I needed a big change. And I had already lived in Denver. That wasn't going to do it for me to leave the Western Slope, to go back to the Front Range to Denver and the big cities there. I really needed a change. And I thought I wasn't I just wasn't really dealing with the cold very well anymore after growing up in Wisconsin and living in Colorado for 30 years. I was cold, and I was ready to be warm. So I I started looking around on the internet, and I saw all these massage therapist jobs in Arizona, and I thought, wow, what's going on in Arizona? So I thought, well, maybe I need to be nationally certified, but let me tell you, that was also a learning experience. We have, we have a board in the United States called the National Certification Board of, Thera- of Therapeutic Massage and Body Work, the NCBTMB. And I took the test. I was already out of massage school for almost four years because I graduated in 2002. So a couple of years, two, almost three years, I had been out of massage school. So I thought, man, I better study because I heard it was a really hard test and it covers, you know, there's over what? 230 different kinds of massage modalities. (laughs) And I thought, I I better do some studying. So I I bought a couple big massage therapy books and just really tried to devour as much as I could. Uh, So I passed the exam, flying colors. I even had time left over. And I thought, wow, did I really mess this up? Or was this easier than I thought it was going to be? But I, I, I got high honors on the exam. Now, there is a test it's called the M it's MBLEX, M B L E X, I think it is. And some people can get nationally certified by taking this exam now in our country after massage school. It's really not necessary. From my experience, it's more continuing education It's more money every year to keep your national certification, which now they call board certification. Some spas here require it. But actually, I don't even encourage people to go do the national certification unless where they're working requires it. Yeah, it looks great on your resume and everything. But I don't really see what it's done for my career in the big picture. You know, in 16 years, I think I've had one person even ask to see my license. Right. You know, I don't think it's that big a deal to most people. I think they assume almost, if you're calling yourself a licensed massage therapist, that you have gone through some schooling and you've taken some kind of test or you're, you've got this qualification. I do think it makes a difference because it gives the client some confidence that you know what you're doing and what the hell you're talking about, right? You know, there are those shady massage therapists that aren't licensed and we all know what they do. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that was an education in moving to Arizona too. I started seeing all these Asian girl massage ads and stuff like that. And that was, maybe I was really naive. I I guess I was because that was never my intent And I know there's people out there that are doing things that are illegal and they give all of massage therapists kind of a bad name. That's really unfortunate that people still think that a massage therapy session is going to end in some sexual thing because that's, that's not my thing and (laughs) that's not what I'm going to do.
0: Well, actually we did, we did a whole series on the podcast about that and again. Obviously, things are going to be different um, where you're living, probably even state by state. As we're learning, the education is different. The licensing is different. Uh, But we did a series about um, body rub parlors. And actually, here in Toronto, there is a such thing as a legal body rub parlor which is an erotic massage but anyway you can go and listen to that if you if you feel like it but we we did a series to find out because yeah i mean my assumption my entire life was that that is illegal um but apparently there is a legal way to do it and also in here where you know in ontario um you are not allowed to use the word the term massage therapy or massage therapist if you do not have a license. Uh, the only oh, oh, yes. Okay. So, for example, if you are walking down the street and you see um, a place that just says massage or you know a holistic center something like that, very oftentimes it is people who offer massage which. Here in Ontario, body work is under public domain. Anyone can do it, but they won't be registered therapists or licensed therapists. So if you're looking for somebody who, as you said, knows what the hell they're talking about, you're not going to go to a place like that. (laughs) Right. So you, uh, you say that getting sort of nationally certified wasn't worth it for you because you still then had to become licensed in Arizona, correct?
1: Absolutely, Amanda. I didn't know what Massage Envy was in Western Colorado either. And I'm seeing all these Massage Envy ads on the internet. And I started communicating with somebody. But I didn't even realize I was communicating with people at several different Massage Envy locations. Oh. <laughs> I, had no, I had no concept of what it was at all. Because I was in rural Western Colorado. There were, no, there were no, none of these chains there yet. Right. Because, you know, they set up a requirement where they want at least 5,000 people within a certain radius of your location or they're not even going to let you open one. Right. It's it's really down to a science. But so I didn't know what it was coming from Western Colorado. I did not even realize I was emailing with several different managers from several different massage envy clinics till finally one of them said, well, you're going to need an Arizona license. And I was like, well, thank you. Gee, no one told me that. So it was actually, it was
0: actually massage envy when you went to get a job that actually informed you that you needed no. a state license? Yeah,
1: I hadn't even, I hadn't left Arizona. I mean, I hadn't left Colorado <gasps> oh, yet. Oh, okay, 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 sorry. I that. had not left Colorado yet looking for a job. I had just finished the national certification. Oh, and then okay. one of these people I was communicating with about, hey, what is what is it like to work there? How do I work there? How do I get a job there? Oh, well, you need an Arizona license. So I'm like, oh boy, okay, now what? So I had to look into that whole thing and do the Arizona licensure and do all that before I could even think about moving. Mm -hmm. So then I got my Arizona license. It must've been October of 2005. So after I did the national certification exam, passed with flying colors, and then one of these massage envy managers telling me in an email uh, that I needed an Arizona license. So I had to do all the look into that and figure out how to do that. And as soon as I got my license in October, I pretty much said to my landlady, uh, I'm moving. I'm going to Arizona, you know, and I'm 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 I need to warm up. Why so, why
0: Arizona? Was it just a place that you liked? Was there a specific reason why? I mean,
1: yes, it's much warmer than nothing. Colorado, but why Arizona? Yeah. <sighs> I-, I knew nothing about Arizona. I knew no one here. No. Wow. Nobody. Nobody. No, it was just warm, the desert, and I saw all these jobs for massage therapists. Ah. So I just took, I just uh, had made an appointment with somebody from Massage Envy. Actually, it turned out to be the original Massage Envy at Shea Boulevard and the One Hundred and One Freeway. It was the very first one. Yes, Massage Envy actually started here in Scottsdale. Wow. And John Leon yes, John Leonisio was the man who started it all and he was laughing all the way to the bank, <laughs> as you can imagine. Yeah, I you know, I um, really can <laughs> Yeah, and he sold he sold the whole company a number of years ago. So he's not really the owner anymore, but, uh, I'm sure his dividends paid off for him.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Anyway, so I had never worked in any kind of facility in Colorado. I was just doing my own thing. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I couldn't be, I couldn't do massage therapy full time either in Western Colorado. Thus, the certified nurse aid jobs and getting to just do massage whenever I could.
0: Mhm
1: whenever i could whenever i could attract an appointment because it's down home people not a lot of money farmers ranchers caregivers there are so many nursing homes and retired people on the western slope of colorado you can imagine it just wasn't plus like i said there was no place like a massage envy or anything like that to work in right so you're just trying to figure
0: out as you go so now you're in arizona and I assume working at Massage Envy, like I'm, I'm talking about, you know, the chronologically, you're in Arizona, you're working at Massage Envy. Did you then have to go take additional courses to learn Lomi Lomi? Or was that something that you had already been doing and been practicing?
1: Okay, I wasn't into Lomi Lomi yet at this point at all. I don't think, I probably didn't know what it was. Oh, really? Not in 2005. No, not in 2005. It was really interesting just just getting to Massage Envy, I mean, I drove right to the clinic from my overnight stay. I think it was Holbrook, Arizona, coming from Delta, Colorado, and I drove right to it on time for my practical, I don't know what you call it in Canada, they call the, the massage audition here a practical.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Anyway, the manager could not even believe that I showed up. She was like, what? You're the girl from Colorado who just <laughs> drove here? And you drove right to our clinic to do the practical to get a job. She couldn't even believe I showed up, right? (laughs) So obviously she hired me on the spot. So the next day I'm trying to get an apartment. So I managed to land an apartment. And then I drove back to Colorado and packed up all the rest of my stuff. And I was back the next week to start working at that Massage Envy. There you go. And I was working full time, I think six days a week. And I was making a lot of money. I was really surprised, even though, as we all know, the pay is low in these franchise massage clinics. Still, if you can get some decent tips, you can still really make a pretty decent living. I had $14,000 saved up in my dresser drawer. And a year after moving to Phoenix, I was buying a condo. That's great. I had $8,000 in cash to put down. So I had never made money like that before in Colorado because being a certified nurse aide, you don't make much. I think it was always less than $10 an hour. It might've been 10 bucks an hour. When you have people's lives in your hands, can you imagine?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's probably, it's obviously more than $10 an hour now, but uh, it's, it's the same. It's the same here in Canada. You know, the, the men and women who work in long-term care and nursing homes. Uh, Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that they get paid as much as they should for the amount of work they do. I definitely agree with you. And uh, actually about the massage chains, we also did an episode on those and you know, they really do get a bad name for low pay. And I'm not saying the pay is great, but you know when you actually put it into perspective massage therapists majority of us we don't get into this profession for money we're not millionaires any of no. us no and you know the the chains i think when you really break it down when you work for yourself by the time you pay your overhead you know you're paying for everything if you're if you're a business owner and yeah. you know once you take it i mean I, again i don't know about the taxes where you are but here in Ontario we have to charge HST which is the sales tax and so by the time you oh. know when someone pays me and I take out the tax and then my overhead and you know I I highly doubt that I'm making very much more per hour than I would be working at a chain massage place to be honest with you
1: you know It's a really, it's a really good point. And now that we we touched on the getting into teaching too, and I I do bring this, I do bring this up in my Lomi Lomi classes because everybody thinks they want their own business, Mm -hmm. but they don't know that every, just like you said, they don't know everything that's involved and it's especially the marketing. Yeah. It's it's really interesting to me, even though, massage, th- like you said, massage therapists like to give all these chain clinics a bad rap, I really don't want to do that because... I moved here to work at a place like that because I never had had that opportunity where I came from. And I mean, I've had a completely different life here in Arizona than all those years in radio. When you're in a small market radio, you're making $1,000 a month, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't even know how people can survive on $12,000 a year anymore. No, I, know, I, I, never, I
0: really I, don't think they can, actually. It,
1: it, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But I mean, the most the most I ever made in radio, I think was 1500 dollars a month right i mean it's it's crazy to think of that and then to just move and then like i said have fourteen thousand dollars saved up in your dresser drawer after your first six months to um maybe a year of working at massage envy i was like wow why didn't i do this sooner (laughs) well um
0: like you said you went you reinvented yourself a few times which i think it's so cool that it's possible now for people to reinvent themselves over and over again and at any age you know you said you went to massage school at 48 really and 48 years old i mean i think i think about when my parents, you know, were forty-eight. Would they have have taken a leap like that? I don't know. You know, I don't think so. I think nope. I think they're of nope. a generation that. Um, well, I mean, actually, honestly, you were too. I think you're just more free-spirited. You of a generation that once you sort of get into your career, you stay there, you know, you're looking for security, but I think it's really cool that you, you saw in yourself that, you know, this isn't me and you, you continued reinventing yourself until you found something that was you.
1: Well, thank you. The music education I realized was not going to be for me because I saw those kids did not care. They did not care in that class whatsoever. And I said, nope, not going to do it. Nope. And of course, like I said, the low tolerance for bureaucracy, I I just really not, I wouldn't have lasted as a nurse. No Mm -hmm. way. And I'm not into, I'm not into Western medicine. And that's, that's the jobs, the LPN job, the licensed practical nurse jobs did not look appealing to me at all because all they did was push pills and do the paperwork. Me being the certified nurse aide, I got to do all the patient care. Right, You know, and you, you bust your butt when you're working in a nursing home, man, and there's never enough help, right. never enough help. And you, you do feel sorry for those people, but you can only do what you can do. And he, but, but you
0: know what? I, I'm sure that your your clients there appreciated having you there because it is it is the nurses aides who actually take the time to talk to them and instead of just bringing them their pills you know so i think boy i think what you did it probably helped you a little bit more realize what kind of work you needed to do you needed to work with people you wanted to work with people in a way that you were actually helping them i mean not that nurses are not helping them if any nurses are listening i don't mean that in any way but there is I don't a, either there's a much there's a a very different feel to um, to actually working with people on a more personal level versus strictly as you said the the medical and you know Western medicine and the way that our healthcare systems work although very different in Canada and the states the similarities are that when you're a patient. Um, you don't always get the the personal care. That's the way I see it, anyway. Well,
1: <laughs> and since we're talking so much about that, and we're talking about you know what were we led to do, and reinventing yourself over and over and over. You know, we all have to do this now. So many people think about people that have been in a job for thirty years or something, and all of a sudden they're laid off. They have to reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. Okay, that didn't happen to me. But this summer, something did happen that I did not see coming. And I am in the process of kind of reinventing myself even again. I, my appendix ruptured. My, wow. appendix was, my appendix was perforated. This is really something, Amanda. I had just done a two-day lomi lomi class here in my home, and I just got extremely hot. And I, I just thought it was heat stroke. Because it gets hot, it's really hot here. <laughs> you know, when you're and you're doing lomi lomi. I know we haven't talked about lomi lomi yet, but you're really you're you're moving. You're constantly moving right. through the whole massage, so you're you're really generating some heat yourself too. And I I really thought that's all that happened, but all of a sudden I started dry heaving at three a.m. the next day, and it didn't stop for hours. And I just thought, wow, what is this? Man, did I eat something bad? And just, you know, letting it linger, thinking, oh, I'm going to fix it. I'm always the natural remedy girl. You know, I'm like, okay, what can I do? What is this, first of all? And, you know, I didn't know what was happening. But I, I just had the terrible, terrible belly ache and could hardly eat anything. And I let this linger three days. Terrible. Don't do this, people. Please learn something from me. Don't Don't let an indescribable pain that you've never had linger for three days before you go try to seek help. And I went almost into my fourth day and I kept saying to my dog, I'm canceling all these appointments Tuesday or Wednesday and Thursday. I canceled appointments because I just felt so terrible. And I could hardly even keep water down by Friday. By 6.30 Saturday morning, God said, get up, get in your car, go now. Mm-hmm. And I drove myself to this hospital emergency room two miles down the freeway from my home. And I walked into that emergency department in complete humility and surrender and just said, I'm scared. Please help me. And there was no one else in there at 6.30 on a Saturday morning. And I, that triage team in that emergency department at Honor Health Deer Valley just went to work And they had me in surgery within five hours. Wow. Because they realized my appendix was perforated, my belly was filling up with poison, I was already in peritonitis, they were already doing the sepsis control. I spent a whole week in the hospital. Talk about our healthcare system. Mm -hmm. This entire adventure, all the bills together, over 105 thousand dollars. Oh my
0: God. Oh my God.
1: And I'm thinking I am sunk. There goes my life. And being just a couple weeks away from turning 65 years old, actually, I'm thinking I'm going to be stuck with this debt for the rest of my life. I really thought I was sunk. Fortunately, we have this thing in Arizona called access. It's kind of Medicaid. Not every state has it, But fortunately, I was able to apply for this emergency insurance program, and they're paying all my bills. Oh, wow. It's an amazing blessing because, first of all, I didn't have any insurance. So they knock 81% off the bill at the very beginning. So the hospital bill alone was almost $94,000. And knocking off 81%, my share was still going to be $17,982. Oh, just my the goodness. the hospital bill. I know. And you're, you're, you're just ready to give up, right? You're just thinking, wow, I'm never going to recover from this. So I did all I could. I uh, applied for financial aid from the hospital itself, drove before I probably should have been driving, And after a major abdominal surgery, they sent me home. My incision was still open, but they had to, they had to clean out my whole belly. I mean, I was, some of the nurses said, good thing you didn't wait much longer. I mean, that's how dangerous this was. Wow. But I made it. Thankfully, access approved the surgery and the emergency and not having any insurance. And they agreed to cover the whole thing. So I had already in good faith made some payments to all these providers, you know, like 50 bucks, you know, whatever I could pay 150 to this one, 250 to that one, just to make a good faith effort. Because everybody says, as long as you send them something every month, they won't sue you. (laughs) So, you know, so now I'm trying to get that money back because it's the law Mm -hmm. when access pays all your bills. If you've paid anything to these providers, they have to refund it to you so i'm getting the refunds now i'm still waiting on a couple of them i'm still waiting on about 400 more dollars to be refunded to me which i could really really use right now because <laughs> nothing's been the same since this summer like i told you i i've had to branch out and amanda i i, I didn't get home till midnight last night from this new little part-time job that i've taken so I started to think about what would I wanna do? I've done nothing but massage for 16 years. That's a, that's a long time of being devoted to one career. Not not the, not the 35, 40 years that our parents put in at one job. Right. But still for me, that's a long time to be in one career. So I just took a job getting on the guest services crew at this historic live music venue here in Phoenix. So I worked a show last night So I didn't get home till almost midnight, but it's fun. And I get to be in these shows at the famous celebrity theater. And I'm looking around for other things to do. And the teaching, too. Now that I have the teaching under my belt, and I'm four years into it, I have my classes to offer. Well, let's, let's
0: talk about that, actually. Before we talk about you teaching it, can you tell me, really, because I still don't know, what is Lomi Lomi?
1: The simplest definition of Lomi Lomi, and it's L-O-M-I, L-O-M-I. Sometimes you'll see it as one word. Sometimes you'll see it as two words. There there's, doesn't seem to be agreement even on that because lomi lomi was never written down. It's been an oral tradition passed down through generations, but it was usually the kahuna in the village that was performing or giving the lomi lomi. And it is basically an ancient Hawaiian massage That's what it is. I, I made a DVD back in 2014. And you can see parts of my DVD on my YouTube channel, Linda Wallace Massage and more. And there are clips of my DVD on that YouTube channel if you'd like to see it. I have no more of the DVDs. I sold them on Amazon for a while. And the intention really was to have something to give to the students when they went home because still pictures don't cut it on a massage where you're always moving. And temple-style Lomi Lomi, probably something you've never heard of or never seen in Canada. I don't know if Lomi Lomi's come to Canada yet or not. Well, if it
0: has, um, um,
1: I'm still in the dark. So... Well, you'd have to be warm, too, because you're hardly draped at all in temple-style lomi lomi so you could get cold real easily. But the way to avoid that is to have the heating pad on your table under a table cover. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it works really well because your client is still warm on the table. I do use a space heater, too, in the room if the room is cold also. But then, of course, I'm getting hot. Right. <laughs> so it's a really nice setup and and actually one of my students from Minneapolis who came that first year that I was teaching actually showed me that because it's so cold in Minneapolis Minnesota you know it's pretty close to Canada you know and Walt has to keep his clients warm so he came up with the heating pad under the table cover idea but it works really great but anyway temple style there's no sheet on the table so you're going above and under the body and you're sliding on this oily table and it really your client is barely draped in temple style and you're constantly moving around the body people will often say wow it felt like there were eight hands on me because you're constantly moving around the body but you're never leaving the body you want to have your hands touching the client even when you're moving around the table it's, you don't want them to feel abandoned at all. But think about the Lomi Lomi and for the Hawaiians. My first, my first Lomi Lomi retreat was in 2010. And I had gotten an email from Sacred Body Work, Cairo and Dennis, out of Florida. They lived in Miami at the time. Now they're in Homestead, south of Miami. But I, the first email that I got from them advertising their Kauai retreat in 2010, I felt an instant connection to them. So I went for it. And it was a 10-day retreat on Kauai. It was absolutely magical, fantastical, whatever adjective you can (laughs) ask in this, whatever you can come up with. And I realized even in that first retreat that I'd been doing a lot of Lomi Lomi in my massage career without really realizing it because my first teacher didn't label things. He didn't, and he really mirrored Esalen um, I don't know if you're aware of Esselin Massage Institute in California and they came up with this uh, Swedish massage they call Esalen Swedish, but it really took a lot from Lomi Lomi. But I didn't realize it because he never told us that. But what okay. would you
0: say is sort of the biggest difference between Swedish massage then and Lomi Lomi other than, as you said, you're hardly draped and your your hands never leave the body. What else would you say is sort of the biggest difference between the two?
1: In a typical massage that most Americans are used to, you're undraping one limb at a time. Mm-hmm. Think about it. They know where you're going. Right. They know exactly what party part you're going to work on next. That doesn't let the left brain check out. That doesn't really invite them to let go. It doesn't really, really, really invite them to go deep into relaxation because they can follow along. In Lomi Lomi, with basically undraped, except for a towel or your sarong, you know, over the gluteal cleft, you're moving around the body all the time. They don't know where you're going next. So the left brain has to check out, which leads to profound relaxation. They, they, they can't follow along anymore. They get too confused. So they have to check out and just go with it. And you can see when that happens. You really can. I, I don't think an hour is long enough. Our standard here in America, because of the clinics and everything and the franchises has gone to 50 minutes and 80 minutes. So I don't know what it is in Canada, but I prefer to do 60 and 90 or a real two hours, not you know 110 minutes calling it two hours right. or whatever, um, you do have to pace yourself. If you're doing a two-hour loamy-loamy, you can move slower. You can work more slowly, deeper, more detailed in a two-hour lomi-lomi A lot of it is repetitious, Amanda, like you said, but the repetition also lulls the brain, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. The repetition also really leads to relaxation. I'd say that the biggest difference though is that the body is so open to you and you're moving around the body. They can just let go. And it also is throwing someone out of their comfort zone because you know how many people, especially women, do not want you going near their belly. They're so guarded.
0: Mm -hmm. And they're so
1: insecure about their body. But you're open because you've got a breast drape and then you've got a lower drape when you're face up, when you turn them over. And there is a lot of abdominal work that happens in the Lomi Lomi. So I worked at a Hawaiian in Scottsdale for over two years. And I used to even just praise the women who would come in to have their first Lomi Lomi massage because it's really throwing people out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Especially to have their belly undraped. You can imagine just the fear factor that could go into that. So just to take this massage can throw people out of their comfort zone. And we all know the growth is outside the comfort zone. Right? Nothing happens in the comfort zone. Nothing happens in the comfort zone except comfort, <laughs> <laughs> right? There's no There's no growth in the comfort zone. But you don't want to throw somebody into the deep end. I don't like to tell them too much in advance of the massage. Maybe give them a little idea of the draping. But I don't like to tell them, Everything that's going to happen in the massage. They just have to know that I'm not going to do anything inappropriate with them being barely draped, and I don't expect them to do anything inappropriate to me either. Right. And I haven't, I do have that understanding with my clients that do come for Lomi Lomi. Lomi Lomi is not for everybody. And you can see that by my class offerings. I might have one or two therapists sign up for a class. I try to limit my classes to four. Maybe six therapists at a time i'm I don't see myself as one of those big teachers in a room with fifty people or three hundred students, and I like to use my home because then you have the showers, and it's important because you're very oily after a lomi lomi massage. All my clients shower after a lomi lomi massage they're not going to get in their car being covered in oil
0: so that would and be that would be room. another difference then like you're really getting oily when you're doing this versus like when my clients you come are. when my clients come for therapy with me they can they can put on their clothes and go back to work
1: and that's how it is in most of the chains obviously you're not getting people that oily that they can't get dressed and go back to work right right when they have when they have a massage in the middle of the day lomi lomi is different you're it's using your forearm It's the fleshy part of your flexor, mostly. You don't have to use your fingers so much in Lomi Lomi, and I think that's why a lot of therapists like the idea of it, but they can't necessarily do temple-style Lomi Lomi in any place that they work. First of all, they're not gonna have the time to uncover the table, and they don't have the time between massages to clean the table. So it's not really transferable for everyone to be able to do a temple-style lomi lomi massage in any given place that they work. And you have to keep in mind draping rules to fit the place where you work. And I don't right. know about Canada, but some of the draping rules here are getting really real. It's ridiculous, okay? Some of the draping things, and people get fired all the time from spas or even the franchise clinics because they touch somebody where they weren't supposed to. And you, it's kind of gone really overboard now because with some of the draping, you can barely even touch somebody's glutes. Like, really? Well, we have now um,
0: a, a new form. It's a written consent. So if you, uh, if it's clinically indicated to work on somebody's um, inner thigh, uh, so adductors, glutes, uh, yeah. breast tissue, or even chest wall, uh, we actually have to wow. obtain uh, written consent for any of these areas which are deemed sensitive areas to treat. So yeah, breast, I, I do understand. Breast, yeah. Yep. Based on what you're telling breast me. Breast massage
1: your <laughs> does need permission.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, based on what you're telling me, yeah, Lomi Lomi definitely doesn't fit into uh, probably some of the rules that we
1: have. Um, wow. That's unfortunate. Well, because they even let the women go without a breast drape um here at the hawaiian spa it's not illegal it's not illegal and they usually um like somebody to have a massage first before they go without the breast drape just to make sure that they're feeling comfortable that um, there i know there's some therapists that are really really uncomfortable with that me i'm a maverick i don't care <laughs> I, i'm I, I can walk around naked all day it's not a big <laughs> deal to me it's not a big deal to me about the draping but then you have to realize that that client isn't you. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. massage like therapists said, are
0: different that way. I mean, even just going even just going to massage school, uh, we we talked about oh, this yeah. on an episode where Mark said, you know, it was just normal for you to be walking around your class naked. Like it was just normal. It's for us. It's a body's a body's a body. We don't we don't
1: care, right? For but- some people, <laughs> for some therapists some therapists not like that some therapists really really are are very conservative as far as the draping goes mm-hmm. my teacher was very conservative but but the lomi lomi i just really love it and when i first got approved to teach with the national certification board because i was already nationally certified And that's the only way you can give continuing education hours in the United States. That's the only way, Amanda. I can't just give a class and give someone continuing education hours without being under the auspices of the National Certification Board. So
0: that board certification exam did pay off in the end for you.
1: (laughs) It did pay off in that regard that, yes, I was already in their organization. And it made it easier for me to do the big ass application to be a continuing education provider with them. And I got to tell you, this, this probably goes back to school or childhood or something or thinking not good enough, whatever. It stymied me for months to do that application because it's really long and they want you to kind of map out how every half hour of your class looks like and i was just stymied by that i was like what are they what do they want they're so <laughs> subjective and you're you're thinking is this good enough is this what they want So I know who the woman is at the NCBTMB, who is the continuing education provider liaison. And she's the one who looks over all the applications and approves or disproves somebody. And I called her and I said, Carolyn, I just got this done. I just sent the application in. I I really hope it's good enough. And I, I caught her at a good time because she looked into it immediately while I was on the phone with her. And she was like, oh, wow, I can see how much work you put into this. And she said, you wouldn't believe how many first-time applications we actually turned down. But she goes... This is amazing. I I can see all the detail work that you have put into this. I'm going to give you a number right now, and I'm like, "Yay!" (laughs) You know, so amazing. So that was I was so ecstatic,
0: and that was you said four years ago, right? You've been teaching Lomi Lomi for four years.
1: it It was September of 2014, and I didn't announce it to anyone. It was actually August. I think that I turned the application in, and I got my certificate. In September of 2014, and that's when I made it public that okay. I just did this. And I also try to keep my classes real instead of getting so deep into Hawaiian culture and philosophy or psychological aspects of what the Lomi lomi massage will have upon you. I've been in plenty of classes where the massage therapists are just glazing over. And I know you've seen this. Oh, definitely. There's too much talking. There's too much history or there's too much backstory to the massage. They're just like glazing over, man. They're like, let us get to the tables. Come on. Right. So you keep so your courses.
0: Yeah. You keep your courses more practical because as you said, like what therapists really want, not that I don't. That's what I try to do. Yeah. I don't think there's, you know, not room for the history and the backstory some people really want to learn, but you're right. The therapists want to know how can I incorporate this into my practice today um, yep, so
1: exactly.
0: your courses as you said you've got the eight twelve sixteen, and twenty four hour courses for anybody that's listening either in your area or for Canadians and uh, Americans who are freezing their butts off right now that maybe want to take a trip <laughs> to Arizona how do people yeah. how do people find you? Um other than your YouTube channel how can people get in contact with you that are listening to us right now
1: On Facebook I am Linda Joe Wallace and I also have my business page Awakened Body Therapeutics Okay
0: so for anybody there's a, there's
1: a fake there's a fake Facebook page I don't know how it got established there's one that says Awakened Body Therapeutic Massage that's not the real page Awakened Body Therapeutics is my real business page. And I do have an ABMP website. It's awakenedbody.abmp.com. Okay. Um, I don't always update it very much. Uh, it's through Associated Body Work and Massage Professionals. Like I said, I have my liability insurance through them. I don't know if you guys have that, but we have to have liability insurance to work in any facility here
0: yes we um, do and you just want it in general
1: of course yes, you just want it in because you don't want to break somebody's antique vase or you know ruin their chinese rug getting oil on their rug or something that's another reason i, I really i like to do lomi lomi at my home it's kind of difficult to do it at someone else's home just because of a cleanup you don't want to get oil and stuff on their floor you just have to be careful about that kind of thing mm-hmm. and but, but it's really fun and, uh, you know, like I mentioned, it's not for everybody. I wanted to be a part of a big continuing education group here in Phoenix and I went to give them my whole spiel, showed them my DVD, brought all my materials and told them how, how I envisioned my classes. But they had carpeting. They were worried about their carpeting and they also pride themselves on teaching something that someone could go do the very next day, no matter where they work. And as I just explained to you, temple style Lomi Lomi is not that.
0: Right. So this is not a course that, like you said, it's not for everybody, but I think it's really cool and uh, I'm definitely going to go check out some of your YouTube videos because as I said, before Mark and you had connected, I had never even heard the term Lomi Lomi before. So now I'm very interested to even just learn what it is and maybe I will have to take a vacation to Arizona because I am freaking freezing and (laughs)
1: learn a little bit (laughs) of Lomi Lomi. Just to wrap it up real quick, Amanda about the lomi lomi what the hawaiians say is it's to reconnect the whole person think about it fracturing the person on the table but then putting all the pieces back together to reconnect the whole person to make them appreciate their whole being and to reconnect that person with spirit that's the hawaiian perspective about lomi lomi and it is unconditional love for the recipient, I love it. That's the simplest. That's the simplest definition.
0: I love it. I'm going to extract that as the description for this podcast. So I think that's the perfect place to <laughs> wrap it up. Actually, um, thank you so much for chatting with me on Thanksgiving and all the way from
1: Arizona, where it's. Maybe a little oh, chilly. Just so honored, <laughs> and, and like I like I told Mark, I, I just was so happy to find you guys because this is really something I thought of doing too. After being in radio for almost twelve years, I thought, wow, what about what about internet radio or doing a podcast or something like that? So I was just really happy to find you guys, and I'm I'm just pleased that you're doing this.
0: Well, thank you, and thanks for reaching out to us. And you know what? When you do start yours, because I think you should, um, as you said. You're reinventing yourself again. When you do start yours, contact us again. Maybe we'll come and talk about something that your listeners might be interested in.
1: Absolutely. And, and who knows, maybe I'll get to Toronto one of these days.
0: Maybe. I think that uh, you might want to wait a few months. It's really, really cold here. Oh
1: yeah. It won't be in the winter. Uh, No, you won't be seeing me in the winter. Uh -uh. No, no. No, Come, come
0: by in the summer. Anyway, Linda, thank you so much for hanging out today. And uh, for everybody else, thanks for listening. You've been listening to two massage therapists and a microphone and we'll, chat with you soon. Bye.